This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here, and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close to help us all have our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which means we only need to get started now and we all need to be involved. And today I have the pleasure of talking with John Cochran, a man whose work I greatly admire. John Cochran is president and chief executive officer of Human Good, the sixth largest nonprofit senior living provider in the country. Human Good's mission is to inspire the best life for the residents, team members, and everyone in the Human Good family. The organization was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to live life with enthusiasm, confidence, and security, regardless of physical, social, or economic circumstances. John first joined Human Good in 2009, and his vision for growing the mission and focusing on innovative thinking has helped transform the organization from six life plan communities in Southern California to now 23 life plan communities and 99 affordable housing communities in eight states. Previously, John was chief operating officer for life space communities. He has his law degree from Northwestern University and a bachelor's degree in political science from Northern Illinois University. In addition to leading human good, John serves on the board of Resurge International. He currently resides in Manhattan Beach, California with his wife, Lisa, and their labradoodle, Harvey. So welcome, John. I'm so happy you're here. Sarah, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so in love with what you are doing with Prime Spark, this idea of inspiring people's best life with a, with a real focus on, on older women, I think is so timely, so important. And, and I think you're really on the, on the cusp of significant societal change. And, and I think these conversations are so important, so timely. Uh, and I'm really, really happy to talk with you about that work and about how we do inspire people's best lives in what should be the best, richest time of their life. And I think Absolutely. that's what this conversation is all about. It's why I'm so excited to work in this field. And I know it's why you're so excited to be doing the work you're doing with Prime Spark. Yes, absolutely. So in getting started, John, what I would like to know is, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if not, why is it that you think that you don't? 
Well, it's a great question, and it and it's so interesting to me as I think about that of, of how we experience aging, and it's such a complex answer as as you might imagine. And I would love to hear, this is where I would love to hear from your listeners on what they experience, because so much of, of societal messaging around aging is negative focused in, in ways that we often don't even imagine or perceive or understand or, or get our arms around. It's just so omnipresent that we don't think twice that when we talk about aging, we talk about decline, we talk about diminishment, we talk about all kinds of, of negative associations almost reflexively. And I think that's because that negative language around aging is really embedded in, in our culture and, and society. I think it's changing and I think that's the good news, but there's so much that's negative around, again, loss and decline and diminishment, but that's not even half the story. Uh, first of all, much of what we associate with, with the decline as we age, physical decline is, is not only, uh, it, 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 it's it's not inevitable, I guess is the right word. And better than that, it's not only avoidable, it's reversible. So many of the negative things we think of as, as we age physically. But I think as, as I approach aging, I think about it from a very different perspective. I think about it from the perspective of possibility. And in my case, as I get older, and I turned 60 last year, which is kind of a milestone birthday in many respects. Uh, I wouldn't go back to 50. I wouldn't go back to 40. I wouldn't go back to 20. And so as I, as we think about experiencing getting older, I view it vastly more positively than negatively. I am more focused. I'm more driven. I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I'm both more opinionated and less. I know myself, I know what's important. And, and I think this last point is, is a positive quality of aging. I have a much greater sense of urgency than I did when I was 20 or 30. And that is of course, accepting the limitation that life ends at some point. And that's not entirely a negative thing. That's partly what, what drives forward momentum. It drives focus, it drives clarity. And I think it's why for many people, as they get into the third half of life, as we often refer to this, it's a positive experience because we do have this energy, we have drive, we have wisdom, and we have focus. We know what we want to do. We know where to apply resources and we know how to avoid the things that waste time and suck energy. And so as I think about how I've experienced aging, yes, there are certain limitations that that come with aging uh, but by by and large i view it very positively and, and it's something i look forward to and as i've gotten to 60 and realize i'm in a far richer place than i was a decade or two or three ago i continue to look forward for more purpose and meaning in in those later years that's really interesting john yes i have interviewed way over a hundred women now, um, and some men, but mostly women, way over a hundred. And when I ask them that question, the very, 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 very common answer is, well, yeah, I experienced some things primarily physically. I can't do things exactly the way I used to. When I get out of bed in the morning, I have a few more aches and pains, whatever. 
But other than that, I feel better than I've ever felt. I feel more me. I feel more who I'm supposed to be. I don't care very much about what other people think anymore. And so uh, it's really, it's truly astounding to me that so many people can hold on to all of this amidst the messages we've gotten. Because everything that we've heard and see day after day after day of aging is simply not the experience for a lot of the people I talk to. No, it isn't. It's fascinating you you use these words because we're so conditioned to think of limitation and loss as it relates to to aging. And, And yet for many of us, I think the surprise is we get to what I'll call 60 plus and it's liberating. And you talked about the fact that we don't care as much what people think and and not in some, you know, up yours way, I, I don't care about other people. It's not that at all. It's that we're much more comfortable in our own skins. We're much more comfortable in our own minds. We do know ourselves, why we're here and what we're meant to do and what remains to be done. And, and we're able to sift through the noise of life much more adeptly than we were earlier in life. And yes. it is, it really is liberating to get to this point and realize I am in my prime in many respects. Absolutely. And even it's interesting because even the physical limitations you you mentioned, and there are some that are unavoidable. There are physical limitations that happen to all of us. We have parts failures that we experience. And thankfully we live in a time of, of great medicine and, and great opportunity for getting new hips and knees and, and, and medical treatments we didn't have in prior generations. But even many of the limitations are again, both avoidable and reversible with fairly simple measures. And I think you get to this point and realize, gosh, I can recover a lot of these things relatively easily. It is this kind of aha moment of, wow, we're not going to be marginalized. We don't need to sit on the sidelines and we're not going to sit on the sidelines. And I think that's why, as I look kind of broadly at society, I'm so excited about this time in life because I think we're on the cusp of real change of how we view this part of life. Remember, these are accidental years in many respects. You go back 200 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, People weren't living to 90 uh, in, in any degree of, of, you know, kind of a common experience of getting to 90, nor getting to 90 in relatively good health. Now that we've got these 30 found years that, that are mostly healthy and where we bring in all of our collective life experience, this is really this budding time of discovery and achievement and opportunity uh, in a way that you, you can't get earlier in life, really. Absolutely. I, I, what you said a little bit ago, I absolutely agree with this. When I think about going back to 40, 30, 20, no, thank you. No way. <laughs> so, John, what's your favorite part about being CEO of Human Good? Oh, I think my, my favorite part, oh gosh, that's, that's, that's such an interesting question. There's so many favorite parts. I love being CEO of this organization. I love the people with whom I get to work every day, the passion that they bring to exactly what we talked about at, at the uh, onset of this conversation of inspiring people's best lives, the real sense of passion and urgency and focus and joy that, that my teammates bring to, to this work. Uh, the sense of, of opportunity and discovery and and willingness to think differently. I absolutely love 
the same notion when I look at our residents, it's exactly the same thing. The energy, enthusiasm, focus, the vitality, the connection to life, the idea that we, we want to wring value out of these years and out of this experience. And it's a collective endeavor I absolutely love. And I think in some respects, what I love most is the possibility that sits out before us. It's not what we've done. It's what we can and have yet to do that is so utterly exciting for me. I, I really do think we're on this cusp of, of, of a different age of how we think about aging, how we talk about it, how we experience it, how we support one another, what we do. And and I think being at the on the cusp of that change is, is truly exciting as we help each other navigate through how we get the most out of these years. And so I look at human good at what our brand promises of inspiring people's best lives. And I think this is everything we're trying to do individually and it's what we're trying to do collectively. And that's what really excites me about this work. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but what are the greatest challenges for you right now with senior living? Oh gosh. I, I think while we're on the cusp of redefining this age and, and what it means and what it can mean, uh, I think there's still a lot of baggage that we're carrying societally around what aging looks like and what it should look like. I think so many of the messages are outdated and flat out wrong that we have to still, you know, shovel a lot of stuff out of the car to, to get us where we need to go. And so I think we're still overcoming a lot of outdated, negative, misaligned stereotypes around aging. And, and that's a real challenge. And we see that, uh, again, these, these outdated images are everywhere. We, we, you, you almost can't escape them. And because they're so ubiquitous, in many cases, we can't even identify them. They're just everywhere. We've accepted them as normal. And so I think one of the biggest barriers is really changing the mindset and the focus and the outlook of people around what this third half of life should look like. And, and so I think, I think that may be one of the biggest barriers is, is simply shifting the lens through which we view this time of life. And I'll go back to, I think one of the things I'm so optimistic about is I think that lens is beginning to shift. I think the language, I mean, it, it, this podcast is a great example. We're talking about things that even a decade ago, people weren't talking about. You know, how do we view this as as the prime part of our life, which it, which I think all of us would agree, this is the prime part of our life. We're, we're feeling in our prime. This is where we get the ring the most value, bring the most value. So I think it's changing, but I think there's still a long way to go to get rid of all of the stereotypes that we've been dragging around with us for the last uh, century. I so agree with that. I, that, I think of um, every once in a while, I'm reading an article about uh, that says, stay away from uh, retirement communities, think of alternatives. And how do you respond to that criticism? Because I think that's, that's also based on old images. It's totally based on old images, and, and I'm not sure entirely how we break free of that 
because it, it's so interesting to me the image outsiders have of this field of senior living uh, is so completely misaligned with what I see our residents and families and team members experience on a daily basis that I almost can't make sense of it. You, you can't make sense of it. They're totally misaligned in, in many respects. And I think you begin to change perception as we improve our storytelling of showing the world what successful aging looks like. And that a part of successful aging, just like successful living in any other stage of life, is communal connection. It's our connections with one another. And I think that's the secret sauce of, of a retirement community. I think, of course, we need to get rid of the word retirement. That's that's one start we can make. But I think when we look at these communities, the, the real value that they bring is the connection to like-minded people who are helping us achieve what we can get out of life. And I don't think that story is yet getting out. I think it's starting to, but it's not breaking through. We haven't found the language yet. And we're guilty ourselves in many respects of using language of limitation and decline and service. And, and we do that with all good intentions, but still with all bad result. This can't be a language of come live in a community and, and let us do for you. Let us take care of you. Oh, you need my help to one of Let's partner together on getting the most out of life with whatever limitations all of us bring to the equation. And I think as we start to change the language, as we start to tell the stories, I think we'll start to break free of some of the stereotypes. I, I think so too, and I hope so, because um, that I, I know that you know that the recent, or at least to me it's recent, research um, by Becca Levy that shows that one's attitude not only affects um, health in all big and little ways, but actually longevity. And so as we are in communal living, which I think is so important, it's the attitude that I think with, with that kind of vibrant community shifts. Yep. You're exactly right. And, and as you say that, Sarah, it reminds me, I was uh, visiting with a resident at one of our communities uh, in San Diego, and she was telling me the story. She was in, at the time in her mid-80s, and she was getting up and writing books and, and doing lectures and doing keynote speeches. And she she writes and talks about the fact that she would wake up, say, well, nothing's hurting today, nothing's aching. I'm going to get up and, and, and plug right into life. And she did this with this the enthusiasm of, of what we would think of as a 25 year old, but increasingly I think of as the enthusiasm of an 85 year old to say, wow, I'm gonna get up and seize life today. And that attitude absolutely affects how we age, how successfully we age, how we view aging, the impact we have on our own lives and on the life of the world. And I think that's the great opportunity. And, and you know, that's true in every aspect of life. I was asked recently in a different interview to talk about leadership and, and what's important about leadership. And what I talked about is the fact that leaders make choices every day of how they show up and how we choose to show up as, in this case, leaders of human good, 
influences how the organization does, how people view us, and how we view ourselves. It's no different with aging, right? It's the decision we make of how are we going to choose to confront the day? What do we prioritize? What takes, you know, are, are we focused on, on medication and diminishment and loss and the aches and pains that come with aging? Are we focused on opportunity and the work yet to be done? And that attitude and those choices have profound consequences for us individually and for our society. So what do you, so we all agree, I think, or at least you and I agree, I think a lot of people agree on this importance. So what do you see as, as some of the exciting possibilities for senior living on the horizon? Oh, I think there are endless possibilities. I, I think it's continued personal connection. And I think it's one of the things you also realize as you age is how important just our deep social connections and friendships are. And I think community helps foster and sustain and maintain and, and develop that in, in ways that we can't get when, when we're living in isolation with fences and, and moats around ourselves. So I think that there's huge value in that. But you look at what's happening in our world with, with technology, you look at the aging demographics, you look at what's happening in, in medicine. Uh, I, I was with someone last week who'd gotten a knee replacement and, and she's standing up at a party. This is two weeks after she's had surgery. So, wow, can you believe this? I got a brand new knee and I'm ready to go. And you look at the medication, the technology, the attitudes of aging, the increasing awareness, I think, of the value of communal connection, both on a residential basis and just having places to plug into one another and connect with one another. I, I really think that this is where senior living, our field, can really help pull all of this together for people and help give more people better access to these resources that enable them to age successfully, however they define that. And that's what's also key, right? It, it, your vision of, of aging may be different from mine, may be different from someone else's, and that's okay. They don't need to, to, to align, but we certainly have significant common interests that can be reinforced by being in connection with each other. And that's, I think, kind of the secret sauce of how we make ourselves relevant as a field. Do you see any changes that already are happening as a result of this huge bubble of baby boomers uh, moving forward into um, a time when they will be in life plan communities. Yeah, well, one of the changes is, uh, as you well know, uh, we boomers change everything, right? We, we, we just don't accept the status quo. And you're seeing that with this current generation of both the boomers and, and, and the people in, in a couple of prior generations who are aging in our communities, which is this powerful sense of, of engagement and ownership. And that's a real shift. I think if you go back a generation in this business, there was the sense of, well, I'll move into a community and I'll sit on the front porch, I'll sit in my rocking chair, I'll be taken care of, someone's going to serve me. And, and perhaps for a prior generation, that met the need and the expectation and, and the desire. I think what I'll say for our generation, I think that's shifting radically to one of empowerment, engagement, control, autonomy. And this group of seniors is not going to sit idly by and 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 have, a, have an experience misaligned with their own hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And that's a great thing. So 
what I see is this generation forcing a shift in conversation, forcing a shift in programs, in services, in design, in amenities, and in healthcare, all of which I think is going to be tremendously positive, both inside the walls for the people who actually live with us. But I think what we're soon going to see, and this is really exciting, I think you'll start to see those walls become more porous. I think you'll see some of what's happening inside the walls pour out into the broader community, and that will have another positive transformational effect on this generation of seniors. It's when you talk when you talk about that, I absolutely agree with you. And one of the things that occurs to me is um, this is not a this is not an exact analogy by any means, but my experience over over the last say. 10 or 15 years is I have some doctors that really enjoy my questioning and my, well, I saw this on the internet and it says, da, 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 and I think maybe we should think about this. And there are others that are just get this lady out of my office. And so I assume that will be true of some of the people who've worked for a long time in communities that it's um, I really would like you to sit down in your rocking chair and wait for me to help you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's fascinating. We've had a couple of these conversations where you've talked about the invisibility of, of seniors and, and anyone I think North of 60 has probably experienced that. Uh, we've talked about the dismissiveness of people towards seniors uh, of sit down. I know best. Let me do for you. And, and I will tell you, that I think those dinosaurs are on their way to extinction. I, I just don't think this generation of seniors will not put up with that. And they'll not put up with it in vocal, loud, and transformative ways. And we're just, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be told to sit on the sidelines. I think prior generations may have 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 done that and, and, and maybe accepted order and control more than than our generation. That is not going to be the way forward. And for the people who, whether they're doctors or they're people in my business or any business dealing with seniors, if you don't understand that shift, you are not going to be successful with this market at all. And I think increasingly, I, I think we're going to see people shut down quickly and, and, and irrevocably uh, when they behave in ways misaligned with the market. I think you're right, and I certainly hope so. Um, one of the things that was in your um, introduction that I found fascinating, how did human good go from life plan communities to also affordable housing communities? How did that happen? Well, it happened by intention and design, and I will credit the people who worked at this organization and its predecessor organizations long before me, because this came from our boards of directors and prior leadership teams, uh, all of whom for the last 40 plus, probably now nearly 50 years, have had a commitment to serving low income seniors and giving them the resources uh, they need to age successfully and to thrive. And it goes back to the, the core brand promise, which you referenced that we believe that all people should be able to age with enthusiasm, confidence, and security, regardless of physical, social, or economic circumstances. 
those aren't just words for us. They are a, a, a calling uh, to us to make sure that we extend our reach, expand uh, the people we serve. And so for decades, this organization has been committed to ensuring that while we uh, meet the needs of seniors who have the resources to thrive and live independently and, and provide for themselves, that we also extend that reach to those uh, on the lowest end of the economic spectrum. And so when I joined this organization, I think we had, I don't know, 15 or so affordable housing communities. And then both through new development and through affiliations, we've now grown to 100. And I'm so proud of the work we do uh, in those communities. We provide housing, of course, which is the essential aspect, the foundational aspect of healthcare. Uh, you can't provide healthcare for people if they have inadequate housing. So safe, attractive, communal housing is, is essential. But what we do beyond that that's so important is provide healthcare uh, and resource coordination. So we don't do a lot of direct service provision, but we'll help connect our residents of affordable housing to Meals on Wheels, veteran support, mental health support, the resources they need to live their best lives and live independently as long as possible. That's always been an important part of, of our organization uh, in terms of its mission. It, may, it continues to be an important part of our mission. And I think it's interesting because we also often think about the work we do in the market rate side of our business as informing the work we do in the low income side of our business. But I will tell you that the reverse is also true in some really important ways. And, and one of the ways I'll highlight is the advantage we have in our low income communities is that we're tremendously resource constrained. Now, why do I say that's an advantage? Because it forces a level of creativity on the part of our residents and our teams to figure out how, how to inspire people to live their best lives when you can't simply throw money at the problem. It forces a degree of inventiveness uh, for us to be willing to try things uh, because we have to. And I think it has forced a level of cooperation between residents and team members of we're in this together. We, we've got to do this walk together for this to be successful. That dynamic that works so successfully in affordable housing, I think is beginning to shape how we view successful aging in our life plan communities. One of mutual engagement, one of mutual support, one of walking alongside and teaming together as opposed to a, you know, I'm going to serve you. And so in a curious way, the work we're doing in affordable housing is having a profoundly positive impact mm -hmm. on how we approach aging across the entire spectrum of residents that we serve. I love that. That is fantastic. That is, um, I would not have thought of that at all. And I love knowing that. Well, I wouldn't have thought of it at all either if I hadn't seen it. It would never have occurred to me. But it really is, it really is true that I yeah. look at what those teams do on a shoestring budget. And it reminds me that economic resources are important. I, I don't want to minimize that, but they're not the be-all end-all. Right. Um, and and it is a it's a good and, and timely reminder for all of us. Right. So, John, you have done so much. What is next for you personally, professionally, with human good, or however you see? The next thing I think I'm thinking about is. Boy, the next thing I'm thinking about professionally is 
as I look at where human good is today, and I referenced this at the beginning of this call that we're, we're sitting on the cusp of, of transformational change as an organization, as a company and as a society. And I can't imagine any place I would rather be trying to advance this work of successful aging than human good. I think we have such a great platform on which to build. And as I look, I think what excites me as I look forward is less what we've done. That, that's, that's nice to have a track record. It's nice to have the learning that comes with that. But, but I'm not one for much backward looking. What I'm really excited about for human good is to look forward and say, well, if we've done all of this in the last 13 years, in the last 30 years, imagine now with, with the societal winds at our backs of, of advances in technology and in medication and in how we culturally view aging, imagine what the next 30 years could be. And so what I want to do is make sure that as a company, we are positioned to best take advantage of that, lead the conversation, lead the charge in, in helping people live their best lives and do it in partnership with the people that we are serving and need to serve going forward. And so I look out and I think as much as the last 10 years have been wildly fun and I have enjoyed them beyond anything I could have imagined when I started this career, I, I think the next 10 years are going to be even better. And in your life also. Not just in watching and working with humans. Well, and, and in my life also. So I think it's the same thing as I look over the last couple of decades, I look forward to, and you know, no one gets a guarantee on anything, but as I look forward to the next couple of decades, assuming that, that I get them, in many respects, I'm looking forward to the best, richest, most meaningful time in my life. Uh, every decade has gotten better. Um, Every decade's gotten more exciting. I, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a greater sense of clarity personally on what I want to do. I've got a, a different sense of urgency with doing that work. And I've got a better awareness of the opportunity that's in front of me to do this work. And so personally and professionally both, I, I see a real alignment between who I am and who I think I'm called and need to be and what this organization needs. And I look forward and I, I, I truly just look forward with enormous enthusiasm. I think one of the things that I find most exciting is um, the, the, that we now know actually there are ways our brains get better. And that's really big news because that certainly is not what we have learned over time. No, and again, we're told that, you know, this is just diminishment and loss and limitation and decline. And we have all these negative stereotypes with aging. But you're right. So much of the research is telling us, yeah, some of that stuff's true. But that's not even half the story. The other half is you do have have uh, very different abilities uh, than you had decades earlier. And, right. and you continue to to grow and you're, you know, you, you continue to gain new skills and new outlooks. And there's a lot that's positive about this. Yes, I absolutely agree. And so do other people that I've interviewed. It's really interesting. We just got to convince um, the rest of the people who haven't caught up that, look, this is what this is what's real. Just come on. Well, it is what's real. And isn't it interesting, though, that 
and, and this again is where I, I think this is so exciting at time that there is this awareness, I think that's fairly broad based, that's gaining traction fairly quickly, that this is a time of opportunity and achievement and reward that's different than the messages we've been told. And I think people are gaining an awareness of that. They're buying into that and they are latching onto that in a really powerful way. And I think these conversations in five years will be very different uh, than they are today and wildly different from where they were a generation ago. Well, even, you know, when you were saying whatever you were saying before, John, I was, what I was thinking about was I've been doing Prime Spark for not quite two years. And the conversation two years ago was very different from now. And the number of people talking about it yeah. was very different. So, well, this has been fun. Um, if somebody would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, they can do that by going on to the humangood.org website. They can find about us and, and find ways to contact the organization. I'm easy to find by email. It's uh, my first and last name, john.cochran at humangood.org. And they can always call uh, Human Good and find their way to someone who will connect them with me. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about what successful aging looks like. Thank you. Thank you. So that's our time today. Please join us again. You can find us on our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest today, John Cochran. And don't forget, you can find him. The easiest thing to remember is humangood.org. And you can find his information there to link up with him. So thank you for being with us. Take care. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcast, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this, you can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. 
It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.